Welcome to another edition of the Romantic About Baseball podcast. I am your host, Adam McKinnon, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Jim Passon Jr. Hey, Jim. Hello. Good evening. And we are uh, broadcasting, or at least recording this, at uh, 10.45 p.m. Eastern Time, moments after the uh, Rays have officially been eliminated from the postseason, thus finalizing our uh, league championship series matchups we will get to those in a moment but first we need to look at what just happened uh, in the uh, league division series so uh, Jim I'm gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and get the emotional hurt out of the way here and uh, let's talk uh, let's talk about the first uh, NLDS matchup the Cardinals and the Braves Um I got to be honest with you. Overall thoughts, I think four out of the five games were actually really good baseball games. Yeah, like, yeah, I agree. Those first four were gems. I loved them. Really, you know, it had, and and as when you looked at the games, you didn't see a team that was overmatched really in any of the games. Almost all the runs were scored off of base hits, uh, a lot of hits down the line, doubles, you know, things of that nature. Um, so it wasn't like there was a team that was so outmatched until the fifth game when the wheels just, you know, completely there's come off and then there's like it spontaneously combusted into a ball of fire. Um, yeah. yeah, that was that was tough. <laughs> That's a painful game. That was a painful. That's a painful way to to start the final game of that series. The series didn't deserve that. I mean, the biggest lead I think anybody had in the first four games was uh, the lead in the ninth inning that the Cardinals put up when they put up four in the ninth to break the tie, a three three tie in the ninth. Yeah. And then still that game finishes a one run game. The Braves scored three in the bottom of the ninth and and made it close. But other than that, it was just one run, two run leads all the way. And then all of a sudden, out of yeah out of nowhere out of left field right we got that that right. crazy game five well and you know it does to me and uh, for those you know just to very 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 briefly summarize the cardinals um you know in game five came out and put a 10 spot uh that is 10 runs on the board in the before mike fulton could record the second out uh, of the game and, uh, you know, it never got any better from there. Uh, basically, the team was defeated after that. And, you know, the thing, you know, obviously, whenever a team loses a series, the first thing that happens is the finger, the finger pointing, the, the blame game begins. And uh, we were talking right before we started recording, and I think we're on the same page. Uh, that finger better not point at Ronald Acuna Jr., yeah, that's that's ridiculous to even think that that's where that finger needs to be pointed at. That's for sure. I agreed, and you know, I uh, I had a um, a rather lengthy uh, tweet thread that you know went uh, against a um, I wouldn't say went against, but sort of called out the the narrative against Ronald Acuna Jr. on this. If you want to point the finger anywhere, it should be three fingers pointed at Freddie Freeman. Josh Donaldson and Nick Markakis, who in a combined 10 for 41 in the series, two home runs and four RBI, and almost all that came in garbage time from Josh Donaldson. 
Yeah, so, not not the expectation out of those. Guys. Not getting what you expect out of them, right? We right. we had much higher expectations in this series for for that group. I mean, I had Nick Markakis as being my key for the for the Braves to be in the the victory. I mean, there was I mean, it, if something changes in those first four games, that fifth game never happens. So, yeah, you you it they win and lose as a team, but it seems like Game Five should have never been in the books if uh, if the hitters showed up. Well, it's amazing, too. You know, the three guys that put up the most offense are Dansby Swanson, no postseason experience outside of last year, Ozzie Albies, and uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. You know, the, the guys who are supposed to be in the wake of the guys like those three and Brian McCann, you know. So I don't... Um, and then, of course, McCann promptly announces his retirement after the game. But the, the big thing with me is just, why, you know, you're, when you're three, four, five hitters bat under 200, you're not going to win a five-game series. It's not going to happen. No. So that, uh, yeah, that, th- that's, that's rough. And you got to give credit also to the Cardinals, too. I mean, it was, you know, if you want to sit there and, and worry about, okay, what costs the Braves, you've got lots of reasons on the Braves' side that cost the Braves, but you also have a lot of reasons on the other side of the ball for the reason why the Braves were in the posi- position that they're in now at home. Um, Goldschmidt, Ozuna were great in the series. Um, the starting pitching for the Cardinals was solid. Flaherty uh, they, delivered on what he Flaherty and Michaelis and for me, I mean um, Wainwright. No, oh, yeah, right. It, that was I was watching that game and I kept thinking to myself, what, what is he doing? That is, there's nothing spectacular about anything that he's doing, and yet every Braves hitter was on their front foot. Swinging over the top of the uh, breaking balls, uh, it was it, it, that was masterful. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly the word I was thinking. Masterful, and then, good lord, then give the ball to Carlos Martinez and adios. That was, yeah. uh, there went that game for Wainwright, right? It, yeah. That was, uh, you know, it's funny was, the the bullpen was probably the most poor. It was probably the biggest liability for the Cardinals. Against the Braves, who had the you know statistically the worst bullpen of any postseason team, uh, so but you, you're absolutely right. Credit where it's due. Uh, Yadi Molina got the clutch hit when it yep. was needed, whether or not it was an inch or you know it was lower, but you know I'm going to push yep. past that. Yeah. Um, the the gist of it is really, and I think you'll agree with me that you know this was four extremely good baseball games that culminated in the worst single inning I think I've ever seen in postseason baseball. Yeah, yeah, a series that yeah was well set up for Game Five and then didn't get the uh, the plot didn't fill itself in right. It wasn't it wasn't what it needed to be to finish off that series. It was a great series and then all of a sudden yeah the first inning top of the first wipes it right out when yeah. your number five hitter is making the second out of the game or his making the second out well the last out i guess of the first inning right and you already got 10 on the board it's like oh man it's, it's like the m Knight's Shyamalan twist like pick the bad ones and then put them in the first five minutes of the movie yeah <laughs> that's you know what i mean it's, it's yeah. You know, it's like the happening, and they figure out it's the trees within the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. I do want to say props to your Braves, though. It was a good season. I think there's plenty to work on from here. I think they're just they're they're a little bit away still, but just like everybody else, as long as you're in it and you get that chance to get inside the the postseason picture, anything can happen. Right. It's uh, so, and uh, you know, on that same note, I, I agreed, you know, agreed by the way, like, you know, it was a great season. Um, it, you know, there's still progress to be made. Uh, but on the other end of the coin, um, our losing, our postseason losing streak, uh, is officially an, an adult now. So I'm, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, at least, uh, yeah. Well, for the for the next group that we'll talk about, I guess the the losing streak goes away for you, another team, right? Right. Now, let me ask you this, Jim, because I think this is an opinion thing. You know, would you rather have a situation like the Braves, where you give up a ten spot, 
in the first inning and you've got to just sort of slog to the end knowing what's about to happen or are you like the Dodgers who get all the way to the bitter end and watch your bullpen just melt down and not by the way not just your bullpen your franchise player melt down yeah i mean it's it's got to be heartbreaking both directions right Mm -hmm. i don't know i don't know if i could say one's a a nine out of ten versus the other one being an eight out of ten or something like that i think they're just equally just as tough to take i think as a fan i mean i getting started on a game where you you give up the 10 spot in the top of the first i mean you spent two days to get to that point from game four to game five your fan base had plenty of time to make sure that their clothes were washed and they were ready to rock and roll with their (laughs) gear on right and then that happens and that's crazy tough to take and then yeah same time though the dodgers the way that game finished i mean having kershaw come in all that emotion down by with a two-run lead two on just shuts it down quick strikeout i think it was a three-pitch strikeout done and then the next inning back-to-back home runs to lead it off i mean and then it was on from there uh both ways ugh yeah, yeah, tough for the fans. Well, I mean, great for the other fans. When you when you look over the series too, you know, it just it just feeds this beast. You know, Kershaw five earned runs over six and a third. You know, it's not like it's not like you Darvish in the World Series level bad, but it's bad. And then you know Joe Kelly, same thing. You know Joe Kelly was the big reliever acquisition in some ways. Five earned runs over two and a third. What what I found the most telling stat, and this is, you know, I if you can, um, the win probability added. Joe Kelly had a negative point five WPA for this series. To put it in perspective, and if you want to understand a little bit more about WPA, um, check out the uh, our uh, Advanced Stats 101 series, uh, romanticaboutbaseball.com, and it will you know sort of better quantify. We call it quantifying clutch. This is like the inverse. This is uh, this is the equivalent, uh, if I'm not mistaken, of like Dave taking away David Freeze's triple in 2011. Bad. You know, like this, this is, this was terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can't give up that much WPA. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're costing your team as a, a bullpen guy. I mean, uh, opportunities to win games and, and hurt your, your team that bad, even though you had such a limited chance to be an impact on the game. Yeah. That's, yeah, it's rough. I agree. I think, I think this series, you know, and, and, uh, we were talking, you know, beforehand, we were talking about how the, you know, we, you know, sort of briefly backtracking to the Braves, how they, they find a plus one in, in tragedy. And I, you know, the Dodgers, it really, I, 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 I sort of go back to my earlier question, you know, ver you know, when I talk about like 10 in the first versus losing, who do you think is more, let down right now who do you who do you is it the dodgers or the braves it's got to be the dodgers to me i mean if you if you take the whole picture right and gather up what's happened over the last few seasons for him i mean you can go what how many seasons in a row have the dodgers been in the postseason now a lot um (laughs) plenty right and then a couple world series appearances in a row that don't turn out way they're supposed to you're hoping they turn out as a fan um swing and miss there swing and miss there and then coming to this you know holding home field advantage in the nl you just feel like, okay, this is it. They can get back there. Maybe this is that one out of three that they're going to win in the World Series. And then, yeah, get, get knocked off by a team that, I mean, it's a franchise that's only ever won one series in, in the postseason. And they weren't even called the Nationals then. They were right. with 81 Expos. So the only ones to ever get through a playoff series move to the next round. And then, you know, that didn't fare well for them after that. But, you know, so you, you have your expectations of your team being a Dodgers fan and – I mean, the the prize had to be the top. It was about the only thing that was acceptable for this team, and uh, to have that exit like they had, yeah, it's, it's gotta uh, be. So I'm looking at the Dodgers postseason results here. So they've made the postseason every year since 2013. 
Nice. So 2013, uh, they lost the NLCS to the Cardinals. 2014, they lose the DS to the Cardinals. 2015, they lose to the Mets in the DS. Uh, 2016, it's the Cubs who take them down in the CS. And then, of course, 2017, 2018, great World Series, flat World Series, and now they they lose to the to the Nationals, who, by the way, finally break their division series curse and move on uh, for the first time since becoming the Nationals. Yeah, that's a shocker to me. Gosh, if you would have told me the Nats uh, would be in this position today, if you told me that a month before the All-Star break, at the All-Star break, maybe I'd have started believing it. But prior to the All-Star break, that that was not a good team. I mean, it, Prior to the was, postseason. Prior to the postseason. I mean, I would – they were the throw-in, right? They were they, – and it goes – man, does it go back to Grisham's error or what? They were a flipping routine play in right field away from not even being here. Yep. Yeah. May, at the end of May, this team was nine games under 500, right? The Nationals. I mean, that's that's not a small amount of games to play. I mean, they were 57 games into the season at that point. That's a third of the schedule's already gone. And that team was nine games under 500 at 24 and 33. And, yeah, now here they are. And to me, almost feels like yeah, they they might even have the advantage in the situation that they're in in this next series. Not even sure. Honestly, I got to agree with you. It's uh, what you know, we'll cover this a little bit later, but it's almost like it's like nothing special versus really bad and really good mm-hmm. going into the CS. So, um, so on the American League side, um, the uh, boy, the the only non-event here is the Yankees Twins series. Yankees yeah. continue to, uh, you know, uh, own the Minnesota Twins. It's got to be a conflict of interest to be a, a, a an owner, part owner in another team. Uh, <laughs> it should be. <laughs> oh my God! It, and the Twins, they were overmatched. Uh, they they lost each game by at least four runs. The Twins posted a 6.97 OPS to match up against the Yankees 9.29 OPS. Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty lopsided three games. Um, I mean, the first half of the first game, it was, uh, all right, here we go, right? Things are, The Twins were playing well, and then all of a sudden the Yankees took control in the bottom of the fifth of that first game. And then it's like they never looked back for two and a half straight games. It was just a completely outmatched uh, uh, Twins team. With the with Aaron Boone on the Yankee side, just throwing out whatever pitcher he wanted to, whenever he wanted to, right? Man, managing his bullpen uh, flawlessly, in in my opinion, against a Twins team that that could totally ball. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not a discount on the Twins themselves, but the 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 truth is when you when you go up and down that lineup, it, there there isn't a guy where you say. You know, there's not a section of the lineup like you go up and down these teams and the other side. If you're on, if you're playing the Cardinals, you have to get through Ozuna, you have and Goldschmidt, and you know Molina. You have to get through a, a tough stretch. You go against the Astros is basically one to nine. You go through the Braves, you basically one through six. Like there's a and the Yankees, of course, one through nine. You've got a stretch. The problem with the with the twins was there there isn't that stretch. You can you can hone in on one guy at a time, and uh, isolate them. So uh, yeah. yeah, that's tough. Yeah, there's some. Yeah, I mean that's a it was a it's a good team. You you look at the lineup, you see it top to bottom, and it doesn't scare you as much as other ones do. I still think top to bottom they were a really really good lineup. They didn't accidentally get where they got, but a lot of them it, a lot of those wins that they've got were puffed up by being in the in the AL Central. I agree. I, mean, I, uh, I they, wonder if they're going to be a team that's going to spend in the off season to to get over that hump. Yeah, exactly. And I think they probably will be. I mean, it's I think they're there. I think they understand that they're right there and that they're up there with the big guys. I mean, I say, you know, in a way it sounds like a knock when I say, yeah, the Twins are beating up on, on bad teams, but 
what do you want them to do, right? I mean, right. It's if you told the Twins, you're like, hey, man, you, you guys, the only reason why you won 100 games this year is because you're beating up on bad teams. And they're like, well, what do you want me to do, lose to them? Right, right? exactly. So they did what they had to do. They just kind of, with this, with the setup that they had, I think they were puffed up just a little more. Their record was a little stronger than maybe what the team was. But, um, yeah, it's a... That's a team that's it could be dangerous if it can get a Buxton to stay healthy. Um, that pitching starting to come rolling around. I mean, it's I mean they lost to the Yankees. It wasn't like they they all of a sudden showed up and, and turned a Angels team with a couple guys missing into it into a bunch of Babe Ruths and Lou Gehrig's. They went after a bunch of Babe Ruths and Lou Gehrig's and they got beat by them. Yeah. So you can't you can't hate the you know you can't uh, discount the effort and you know look they de- they deserve to be there. This isn't like one of those things where like by default fault they rolled in they deserve to be there yeah so. exactly yeah and that was a, yeah, a real cool twins team just the way it was set up i mean the way that the fans could get behind it but the international flavor that was in that team too i mean that, that twins team only started two american-born players every game of that series they're the only team that's ever done that every Amer- every team that's ever played a postseason game in the history of baseball is at least three american-born players in that starting lineup not the twins they had Venezuelans, they had Dominican Republicans in there, they had the uh, Puerto Ricans. Um, yeah, it, it was a, a lineup from, you know, included Kepler out of Germany. It, it's a so. very 2019 lineup, and I, and I yeah. dig that. And I think there's a there's a story to be told there, and as, as they evolve and they add those extra pieces, uh, it's only going to get more interesting. So I think they're a team to watch for next year. Um, they may be uh, taking over where the Indians are leaving off, in my opinion. I feel like that's a very realistic uh, expectation for them, where they're at in comparison to where the rest of the teams are at in that division. I see the White Sox being the next up and comer, but Detroit and Kansas City still going to be working their way back for a while. And yeah, I'm not sure where Cleveland's heading right now. It depends, I guess, how much money they're willing to spend this offseason. True. I agree. Um, So uh, the second series uh, just ended a little bit ago. Um, The Rays and Astros and... um, You know, there. This was a series that took a lot of people by surprise. A lot of people did not expect the Rays to take this to five games. But if if you ever want to see the dichotomy in you know how teams are built these days, in terms of games started and what this means uh, for our listeners is, if you go in or games played, if you go into a game as a pitcher, it is a game played, so to speak, or a game pitched. Um, The Rays had 62 games pitched to the Astros 18. So in five games, technically, there were 18 pitching changes on the Astros. There were 62 from the Rays. That's crazy. That Tell me <laughs> that does not just sum up. And by the way, oh, I should mention, by the way, that's before game five. Yeah. That that was in just in four games. So, oh, yeah, who only knows what the numbers on that are now? But it sort of sums up the differences in the teams. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, it was a five-game series, uh, and if it wasn't for Tyler Glasnow's quote-unquote start today where he picked up two and two-thirds innings pitched today. I mean, he he had seven innings pitched in the series, Glasnow did. That was the most of any pitcher on the on the Rays staff, right? And what, Cole went seven and two-thirds innings in his first start and went eight in this one. So, I mean, Cole had two games with more innings pitched than any Rays pitcher accumulated throughout the whole series. All the Rays pitchers basically have about three or four innings pitched this series and you know i wonder too if you know you look at the rays for example and i and i'm thinking to myself are other teams are rebuilding teams watching this and thinking holy crap the rays just took uh the astros the super team to five games using this bullpenning method this sort of extreme reliever tactic uh, is this uh, is this a is this sort of a you know a chink in the armor so to speak? I'm not sure it's, that what the answer is, but 
it's such a conflict of styles between Houston and Tampa on how they get through their their games pitching wise. That's ridiculous. Um, you can't fault either team for the way that they've gotten where they've gotten to. But then again, not every team's going to have the, the the ability to get a hold of a Cole and a Verlander. Sorry, right. they're they're elite and they ended up being teammates. And you know the the two things, uh, two little little minor like blips that I thought were really cool. First off, I got to say I I have. My favorite postseason baseball play ever was the flip. Okay, when Jeter flips, you know, uh, cuts off the relay, flips to get Giambi at the plate. Nice play. I like that one. But man, that that Kiermaier to Adamas, that was silly. That was silly. Oh. Man, somebody, yeah, call the cops. There was a crime committed there. Oh That's complete God. robbery taking that run away from him because once you saw that hit and then and you as the play was developing, you could see that the ball was going to clear the center fielder's head. And then you're like, wait a minute, Altuve was on first. You know he, he's he's all out all the time and it was like oh this is an easy run right and then good grief yeah and i did not think happened. it was in time i did not think he was in time i i saw it wasn't until it was one of those plays it reminded me of like when when cespedes uh threw from the right field corner you know what i mean and i forget who he even got i think it was like eric ibar at the plate or something like that like yeah when I, it took a second to process, like, well, wait a second, there's no, oh my, no, there was no way he was out, and yet he was so obviously out. Yep. Um, you know, it was like Bo Jackson when Harold, uh, there was the, you know, there was the story when Harold Reynolds, you know, of course the infamous throw, right? When Bo yep. Jackson gets Harold Reynolds at the plate, the first thing, when he turns around and he slams his helmet down, he, he wants to know who cut the ball off. And then uh, to his lo and behold, nobody cut it off. Nope. Like just a frozen rope from from the wall. It just reminded me a little bit of that, even though it was a relay. Adamus's. First of all, you got the best defensive outfielder in baseball, in Kevin Kiermeyer. Then you throw it to Adamus, who is like this prospect. Like you know, I honestly, off the top of my head, I don't remember what his glove uh, and arm, you know, uh, prospect, you know, uh, scouting report is. But that, that was amazing. Yeah, just couldn't have been played any better. The mechanics on that couldn't have been done any better. When you watch it over and over and over again as a defensive play, you know it's a great defensive play. And I watched that play over and over again. It was, yeah, it, that's that's the art in baseball. That's the things that, that make me, yeah, love this game. There's just, and well, Yeah, I agree with you. It's just perfect. And then, of course, a, an interesting little thing, and, and uh, if we had done this before the game started, it would have been like a cool thing to talk about, but given the outcome, um, Tyler Glass now versus Garrett Cole. <laughs> you know, uh, both Pirates, 2011 draftees, both traded to their teams. You know, like, remember, I think, remember Garrett Cole had some question marks about him, like, is he really going to clear that next level to be an ace? Uh, yep. Tyler Glass now, you know, had tried and failed in the majors and was coming back. And the, the Rays were going to use him as a reliever? Like, yeah. What? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Austin Meadows. Austin Meadows had kind of a drag of a series, but it was, um, you know, if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan, I are you... I feel like they're like turning into the Mets, of the, like they really are. They're get, like with the terrible like you know season, and then the Clint Hurdle like screaming and yelling on his way out of being fired. <laughs> then this you know watching their team like basically compete like their top three prospects over like a long period of time go compete in on other teams. Yeah. And I mean, they, Charlie Morton was in there too. I mean, I oh, know it's a little right. bit different Char with him being Charlie around Morton. for a while, and he could he can play the free agent market. It's not like some somebody a young arm or anything like that. But yeah, it's yeah, it's crazy when you started seeing all the pirates up there. 
like, well, man, if they could have just held this together, that's a that's a heck of a pitching staff alone that they had. And then watch. Yeah, a nice young Austin Meadows. Sweet. Watch uh, um, uh, freaking Jamison Tyone will get traded as the Pirates tank their way through. He'll get traded to the Braves or to the uh, – to the um, to the Diamondbacks and then become a stud, you know yep. what I mean? Like just you know, uh, yeah, uh, they're becoming the uh, farm system for other teams. Yep. So um, exactly. So yeah, that yeah, uh, I love the uh, and I'd like to thank the Rays for the way that they played the baseball. They they open up the eyes for the game. So uh, love I it. completely love the way agree. They them. No one should ever. The A's and the Rays, specifically the Rays in particular, the Rays showed that this style of baseball can work. And I don't care what Joe Morgan says. I don't care what Goose Gossage says. These are, uh, this is a viable way to build a major league roster. Yep. Yeah. And, and they shined a light on it. And I am hoping that this platform uh, you know, get, or gives them a platform to uh, to show other teams it can be done. Yep, I would yeah, like that to you see can that. get it there, even if you have to piece it together. You can get there. You just have to manage it differently than a, than the standard way it was always done. If you can't buy your buy the big free agents and make that team in that manner, so I agree. Yeah, I mean it's not the most exciting uh, pace of play style of game when you're making all those pitching changes and whatnot, but. Yeah, it it gives you every every small market team a chance if you build up a model like that. I agree. So um, we're gonna take a we're gonna take a quick break here, and then we're gonna come back with uh, Jim's uh, stat spotlight, and then uh, it, we'll be we'll be back in just a moment. Okay. We're back, and uh, Jim, it's time for the stat spotlight. So lay it on me, dude. Uh, stat spotlight. Uh, I was just uh, I like birthdays and people pitching on their birthdays, people hitting dingers on their birthdays, and I was wondering about some of the players that we have in the in the postseason when their birthdays are. If they have a chance to uh, play a postseason game on their birthday, and I came across uh, Jack Flaherty who's still in. He's got a birthday coming up on the fifteenth. Oh. Um, we got Jay Happ who's coming up. He's got a, a birthday, I believe, on the 18th or 19th, something to that effect. I don't know. 48 years in. young. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if he'll even be on the roster for that ALCS. So, But we know Flaherty will definitely be on the roster for St. Louis. Um, How old is Jay Happ? Is, is he like 35? I mean, I feel like he has been. I remember back when Jay Happ was a prospect with the Phillies. I just feel like it's been a long time it seems like he's been around forever i'm 36 yeah 37 wow. yeah coming up born in 82 good for so him. so yeah he's definitely done his time yeah it's amazing how long he's been around now i mean not a bad career 20 plus war um plenty of wins underneath his belt but been a useful pitcher but interesting yeah, i don't know if he'll get to celebrate his birthday on a I, on the postseason roster, I don't know if they'll the Yankees will put him on, but we know Flaherty will. But unfortunately for the stat spotlight, Flaherty is scheduled to pitch in Game Three. His birthday falls on Game Four. Lame. So we need a rain delay or something's got to take right. place on Game Three to get that up to to where Flaherty gets that position. So, but still didn't stop the stat the the spotlight here, the stat spotlight. So I just went through it and I just wanted to update you on a few people that did get to play on their birthdays in the postseasons, right? And I think as because pitching wise, I think the most impressive one would probably be Ed Figueroa, 1976 ALCS game five. He is the only pitcher that's ever thrown on his birthday in the playoffs in a winner take all game. And wow. Who did yeah. Figueroa pitch for? Uh, he was with the Yankees that year. Uh, 75. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and they 76, lost. 76. Oh, 76. Uh, okay. Yeah. They they beat the Royals by a final score of 7 to 6 that day. Figaro didn't get in the decision, but he did pitch 7 plus innings that day on his birthday to help his team move on in the playoffs. I thought that would be a heck of a birthday. 7 right? plus and you don't factor in the decision. 
Yeah, exactly. Jeez. Um, nuts, right? Uh, Johnny Padres, uh, 1955 World Series in Game 3. Throws a complete game on his birthday. Wasn't a winner-take-all game, but still really cool day, well, right? Well, you know, that series, you know, that was the one that, you know, it was the wait till next year, and it was that year, and Padres was the MVP of that series. Yep, yep. So that was, yeah, a gem on his birthday. Had to been a blast. So... Pitching-wise, it felt like those were the, the two that I liked the best as, as I was looking through stuff. And so, yeah, move away from the pitchers and having their good days. Let's look at the hitters. Um, there's only ever been three people that have ever hit a home run on their birthday in the postseason. I kind of thought maybe that would just be a little bit higher of a number than expected to be nuts. But only three people have ever hit a postseason home run on their birthday. And that would be Colton Wong, who did it four years ago in the NLDS Game 2. Uh Six years ago, Evan Longoria did it for the Rays in ALDS Game 3. But the big one ends up being Willie Aikens. Uh, 1980 World Series Game 1 for the Royals drives in two dingers on his birthday. Wow. World Series Game 1. That's a, that's a heck of a the, start to the, a series. The birthday double dong. That is, uh, you know, that's, that's really cool. Whenever whenever you have that situation, especially in a game one, like you're setting the tone, you know, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. It's my birthday. I'm doing this thing my way. And yeah, setting the tone, <laughs> setting the tone for the series. Think that's about really, how much has to go be. right for that to happen. Like your yeah. team has to get to the world series. The world series has to, you know, you have to play the cert, the right amount of games for it to get there. Yeah. So, yeah. Cool. So I feel like Willie Akins is kind of the guy that, you know, birthday after birthday was like, yeah, you get to remember that birthday, right? Instead of birthdays like us, we're like, ah, I just got older by a year. Right. Right. And Willie Akins is all like, oh, man, I had a birthday one time. Oh, you had a, yeah. Can you World imagine having to, like, uh, be uh, Willie Akins' significant other and, like, have to throw a, a surprise birthday party? <laughs> Well, it's uh, not exactly 1980, but I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm not going to. No, this one's probably not going to top your best birthdays of all, but (laughs) I tried, right? Yeah. Perfect. And then, uh, yeah, and then one more thing for uh, birthdays. Uh, There's only ever been three players that have played three times on their birthday in a postseason game, and that ends up being Raphael Belliard, your good buddy. Oh, man, my dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he played three times on his birthday. Uh, John Mabry did it three times on his birthday. And then I think the best one of them all is Placido Polanco, who did it three times on his birthday with three different teams. And he's the only one of those three guys that I just mentioned that actually had a birthday on each one of those birthday games that he played in. So he's played on his birthday in the postseason three times. He's gotten a hit every game. Wow. Three different teams. Yeah. So that's not, a guy that's not a guy I would have picked to go figure. No, yeah, but man, I'll tell you what, he was a pretty good pick for fantasy baseball leagues for years. <laughs> That's you know, true. Second and third base eligible in a, in a fantasy league, and the numbers that he used to put up back in the day, oh, loved him. Solid pick. Yep. So cool. there's my, my birthdays in the postseason spotlight. I think it'd be, it's probably cool enough already just being able to play postseason baseball. I can only imagine a player that's celebrating their birthday and playing postseason baseball at the same time. Must be a heck of a day. Heck yeah, man. So that is, uh, we'll be back. Well, that is the spotlight. We will be back in a minute and we're going to do a quick little LCS preview. And uh, yeah, we'll be back. Welcome, and uh, just uh, to wrap up the show, we're going to do a quick little uh, preview of the upcoming League Championship Series for those who have uh, decided to skip through most of this podcast or just don't uh, follow baseball for whatever reason. Uh, your uh, your matchups are going to be the Cardinals and Nationals in the National League and the Yankees and Astros in the American League. Uh, so basically let's start with the national league really quickly for me. Uh, this is a, you know, Cardinals nationals, a team of who knows versus a team of, you know, everyone knows. 
you know, with the Cardinals, they can beat you. A, they're, they're not going to obviously beat you in any kind of way, but they can beat you a bunch of ways. And the Nationals are going to beat you one way and one way only. Yeah, they're going to drive you to the ground with pitching. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an intriguing series to me. Uh, two teams that, I mean, I, I picked one to get there. I didn't, they were my upset pick. I didn't ex- really overly expect the Nationals to get past the Dodgers. I thought they had a good chance because of their pitching. Uh, I didn't have the Cardinals being in this situation. I mean, these were two teams that were, they were just fighting for playoff spots, you know, a couple weeks left in the season. They, they Nothing was guaranteed for those guys, right? Um, right? Where the Braves and the Dodgers were long guaranteed their spots well before them. And so it felt like these guys both knocked down the Giants, you know. They, it's time to, yeah, it's time to let the little guys play now. Right. Well, you know, it's like what happens when, uh, when, when David uh, faces off against David. Um, <laughs> you know what I wonder? You see... I've picked uh, so just so you know, my big thing here is um, the Nationals over a five-game series were able to hide the bullpen. They were able to run Strasburg out. They were able to run Scherzer out. I think in a seven-game series, you know, you have to approach it differently. And there's just, you know, there's not enough foundation to cover that zit. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it, that's going to be hard to work with. That's one of my biggest things I was seeing so far, like Strasburg pitching as a reliever in the wild card game. Scherzer in game two came in in relief in the uh, NLDS. Corbin did it twice, games three and five. And I and they did it because they needed to protect those leads. They don't trust their, their regular guys in the bullpen. Um, yeah, winning three out of five. Now, yeah, if they're going to make that same type of strategy work, I believe it's going to end up having to be like, yeah, you target a game where it's close and you just go all in and hope that you don't lose it. Because if you lose it and you burn up those arms for the next day, you might have thrown away two games. I wonder if if the Nationals can jump out and win the first two games. Do you run out? Do you go back to that strategy for game three and put the Cardinals in a position where they have to win four in a row? Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much yeah. Huh? I think you have to be completely cutthroat in this style of play. You have to take those. You, you, you're, you. It seems like if you don't take those first two, that the style that they're going to be, this style will definitely disappear. They're going to have to win it by being a powerhouse at the plate or something to that effect. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't think that lineup's good enough to overcome that bullpen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I picked the Cardinals to win in five. I think that you're putting way – the Nationals are putting way too much uh, responsibility on the, uh, you know, on the weakest part of their team, you know, when you when you run out there for these seven-game series. So, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're going to be able to overcome that. Yeah, and I'm still. Uh, I think that there's a possibility that they take a game that that it's blow away, and uh, and that picks up that oddball win that they're looking for. If they can win three out of five doing it, the style that they're doing, they can win three out of six doing it. As long as they get one other game to fall their direction, and I think against a team like the Cardinals, I think that's that's very possible because Cardinals. I mean, they're they're both pen and even struggled a little bit, especially Carlos Martinez. Um, right in that last series. So there's nothing really solid there that really scares you their offense uh with goldie and azuna yeah but it seemed like that was really the only ones that were clicking on offense so for me i've got the nationals going all the way with them and having to work hard to get to to game seven and then in the same style that they snuck past the dodgers they'll have just enough to sneak past the cardinals who i believe is probably not the team that the dodgers were so give me the nats in seven and uh Give me a great series, please. Yeah, you know, I I, I figure if if we're gonna watch two, uh, if we're gonna watch the two lower seeds battle it out, give us something worth the while. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Give me uh, give me some more Zimmerman dingers. Yeah. Those are those are, <laughs> those are cool. Give me some Howie Kendrick grand slams. Those are cool. I mean, I love seeing those types of players getting their rewards for for grinding out their careers of where they've gotten to. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm looking forward to this Nats card series. It should be a gem. 
Me too. No, I agree. By the way, if anyone's wondering what the background is, that is my, my cat uh, grabbing pieces of uh, equipment and uh, <laughs> rolling it around my tile floor. So, uh, you know, apologize for that. Yeah, yeah thanks, Kitty Kitty. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Appreciate Chip. that. Thanks, oh, and One more note on those gnats, though. I really wanted to get by off that divisional series. Uh, did you notice how old those pitchers were that they had out there? All over the age of 30, basically, is all that they threw out there. Um, the I hadn't Nats thought only, about that, yeah. Yeah, the Nats threw, uh, let me see, 935 pitches. 49 of them were thrown by people under the age of 30. That's it. So 94.8% of the pitches that were thrown by the Nationals in that Dodgers series, or so far this postseason, I added the wild card game into that, too. Yeah. But 95%, basically, of their pitches, one out of every 20, belongs to somebody under the age of 30. Man, and you know, and considering how much they lean on that part of their game, you, you wonder if the Nationals are really the team like, Ooh, we better do this. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they got experience. I mean, it's, it's not like the Nationals are new to the postseason. It's not like they have to go in and get the jitters, and especially now maybe they've gotten over that hump of winning a series. It's like maybe that's the thing that gets them going. I mean, if not you can bad. ride a Rendon and Soto on the other side. Yeah. Not bad. Hey, I'm not happy about picking the Cardinals in five, but, you know, it's the 2010s. I'm not ready to start betting against them. Um, yeah. in you the, probably don't want to pick either of those. I yeah, don't, I don't blame you. You know, it, it is, uh, you know, I live in Georgia here, and it's, uh, as they say, it's either kissing your sister or kissing your cousin. Either way, it's weird. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, on the American League side, uh, you've got the Yankees and the Astros, the a matchup we all thought we were going to see. And um, so, you know, the during the regular season, the Yankees went uh, three and four versus the Astros. So it's not like that's even going to be a decisive thing. I, I mean, flip a coin on this series and give me the Astros in six, and I have no particular reason other than I don't have a particular reason, man. I these are I don't th- I can't remember a time where the two most blatantly obviously best teams, you know, with so few deficiencies. You could even talk about last year with, you know, the the hundred plus win, you know, teams with the with the Red Sox and the Astros. This is different. The neither of these teams you can point to a single aspect of their game and say this is so bad it will kill them. Yep, exactly. Yeah, two strong teams. I mean, they kind of had different ways of getting to the postseason. One was a lot healthier than the other uh, on their way there, but uh, yeah, they seem like the obvious choices to to get to this point out of uh, out of the American League. Even when we were getting down towards the end of the season, and there was a fight for the wild card spots amongst uh, the Red Sox, the Rays, the A's, and and the Indians. Um, and as that kept going on, it just always felt felt like well the one and two seeds were already locked into position we didn't know which one was going to be one and two until the end and then once it was locked in it just still felt like okay we're just going to see that series and it'll start in houston and i was shocked that houston had to get pushed as hard as they did against tampa which could be a a little bit of a a hiccup for him to start this this alcs because they won't have uh cole right right off the bat he probably won't be able to pitch till game three um, Verlander probably won't be able to pitch game one. So you're probably looking at Grinky in, in game one, I would assume. So, Which is um, still, I mean, got, you know, talk about uh, a healthy bronze medal, you know. Yeah, right. If, you're, if your problem is that you got to get to your third guy and the third guy is Grinky, I think, uh, yeah, you got a pretty good problem. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 so um, who you got in this series? I mean, you oh. know. You, I don't have a choice, right? I'm, yeah. I'm a Yankees fan. Uh, <laughs> your, your your loyalty uh, blinds yeah. you, but you you know you've. I, I wouldn't. If you gun to my head, I would pick the Yankees. I mean, I don't. I don't see how you can't. Pick, yeah. Assume it's close. I mean, it's got. It feels like it's going to be something that's close, and and that both teams. I mean, it does feel like that coin flip. So um, it will be about you know who makes the the big play. You know, uh, can the Yankees pitchers you know do what they did against Minnesota, um, or will it end up being more like what they were every other time that they played a powerful team like Houston, somebody with all those bats, and they give up a little more, and it's got to be a slugfest. Um, 
I think that if I had to say there was a favorite, I think it's Houston. You know, they got the home field advantage, and you know the pitching staff. They got a solid uh, relief core, and then just that lineup, top to bottom, is dangerous as the call can be, right? So, right. I mean, I would think that Houston's favored. So, I think if I was probably making a sane pick, it sounds like Astros in six or seven. But I'm a Yankees fan. Give give me the Yankees in seven. Love it. Yeah. Well, um, you know, here's, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll end it with this little, this little stat that I, I've been, re- I've been uh, picking out a little bit since 2010. Uh, so I this, like stats. Yeah, you know, I figured it was kind of your wheelhouse. Yeah. So um, this decade, on the last World Series of the 2010s, 26 teams have made it to the postseason. 11 have gone to the World Series. There is a possibility. Where we could, let's say the Nationals and Yankees make it to the World Series, we could add two teams to that list because neither one of them have been to the World Series this decade. So, um, the Astros and Cardinals obviously both have, but we could end the year, we could end the decade with almost half the teams in baseball making it to the World Series. Yeah, out of a possibility of, well, I guess 10 World Series, so 20, 20 teams possible if you could have gotten everybody different. And if you can get to 13, I mean, that's a pretty good mix. And not just that, by the way. Like, what I find most fascinating is, you know, yeah, 13, you know, 13 possible teams. There have been uh, the Giants won three of those World Series. The Red Sox won uh, two of them. So half yep. of them were won by the same, by, by two teams. Yep. Yeah, exactly. You know, the Royals yeah. went twice. Yep. So Yeah. Yeah, it's been uh it's been quite the decade. And then on top of it, like for the Yankees, for a team that just like the Yankees and the Nats, they were been in fairly consistently in the playoffs throughout the twenty tens to not even make the World Series is odd. I mean, especially for the Yankees franchise who's played in at least one World Series every decade since the twenties, since Babe Ruth came over. I mean the only decades right. they've never played in a World Series were the 19.00s and the and the tens that was it after that that every decade 20s 30s 40s all the way up until this decade and the last time they've been in the world series was 09 so they got one chance left for this one or else you can add them to the list of the the early years the a decade that doesn't have the yankees in a world series that's right all right well hey uh jim uh I would, uh, this has been a pleasure as always. Sorry, my cat is coughing in the background now. I, I, lessons learned in podcasting. Uh, I will, I will keep him outside the door next time. We could probably get, <laughs> we give him a microphone. We get him on and let him go to town. He's probably way more interesting anyway. He, so. he might be, man. He might be. So, yeah, so uh, we'll work on that. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get him in. Uh, join us, uh, next, uh, our next episode, we're going to tape for the, uh, world series, uh, preview. We'll be welcoming our, our friend, uh, from uh, foolish baseball with us. Uh, joining us to have some fun and uh, until then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next time yeah enjoy the championship series everybody